Good morning, midday, afternoon, and night. And welcome to Renegade Files, your podcast for all the good stuff like UFOs, conspiracies, cryptids, and unsolved mysteries. I am your host, Lex Gordon, coming to you direct from the Jungle Villa Outpost, way down deep in the uncharted tropics. This is Renegade Files episode 31, Pop Culture Smokescreens. This episode, we're going to take a fresh approach to the format because this subject kind of demands it. The term pop culture smokescreen is one of my own making, and this theory treads through territories of propaganda, false flags, and deep state connections within the entertainment industry. Within these manipulation vehicles, we're going to find UFOs and aliens, unexplained predictions, and psychological agendas. This is nebulous ground, and after trying to outline a narrative, I came to the conclusion that a more free-form approach was needed to get through all of this. I'm just going to go through my notes with you and shoot from the hip a bit more, and bring you along as we dive into the evidence that popular culture products are often contrived to accomplish certain Big Brother goals. We'll quickly go through a few definitions so we can have this chat on level ground. Then we'll look deeply into the pop culture smokescreen machine. And along the way, as we get into this, we'll examine some examples. Learning to recognize pop culture smokescreens can be a valuable tool for our peace of mind and ability to sift through agenda. And once we start to see these things, looking for them is fun. I mean, it's fun if you're into weird stuff like this. This time on Renegade Files, we're going to go deep. We're going to get weird. And we're going to stretch our perception of the pervasive big media messages and their hall of mainstream mirrors created to distract us from the truth. Thank you for joining me. Now let's get into the world of pop culture smokescreens. Pop, pop culture smokescreens. Pop culture smokescreens. Like I said in the intro, this is a little bit of a different topic. This is an interesting subject because all of these ideas are interconnected, but at the same time, none of this really goes in any order. This isn't like one specific event where we can analyze it with a timeline. So I'm just going to relax and take us down this rabbit hole, and if we're not careful, we might learn something before the end. If you like the Renegade Files episodes, you can help support the work I do here by sharing the renegadefiles.com with your friends online, by following us on Instagram, our profile there is at renegadefiles, by buying gear at our secure shop through the show notes link, by giving us a five-star review if you think we deserve it on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and by becoming an RFA agent on Patreon at patreon.com slash renegadefiles. Thank you for supporting the show. So here we go. First, some definitions. Number one, pop culture smokescreen. A mainstream media production of a fictitious event created for the purpose of discrediting an actual event. Rather than simply telling people to not believe something, which doesn't work, propagandists create a fictional equivalency 
which shifts the burden of proof to the alternative researcher to prove that this fictional example is actually the truth, which is virtually impossible. We'll get into a bunch of these. Number 2. Hegelian Dialectic Hegelian dialectic unites two different determinations into one, or synthesis. This was defined by Jörg Hegel and is, in a nutshell, problem, reaction, solution. So you create the problem, you stoke the reaction to it, then you come in with the solution. This is a discrete method of cultural engineering. That's the application of the original idea anyway, which is a synthetic solution can only be presented after a position is developed, its opposite is created, then those being manipulated are forced to take a side. So, division. Problem. Two choices. Take a side. Then the synthesis of those sides or the solution advances an agenda, whatever that agenda may be. The classic example is the abrupt violence false flag. Abrupt random violence illustrates the problem. Outrage about that violence is the reaction. Control legislation is the solution. So moving on to number three, predictive programming. Predictive programming usually takes the form of smaller, more subtle versions of the full-blown pop culture smokescreen. As such, these are slipped into otherwise seemingly innocuous presentations. Predictive programming is fostering a pattern recognition in the service of a pre-established conclusion. So when a mainstream media production like a movie, magazine, or a TV show hints at a future reality state in order to gently nudge people almost subliminally into acceptance or belief. Normalization. Predictive programming is psychological conditioning to reduce resistance and foster acceptance of a planned event. This is deep conspiracy theory territory, and fascinating to say the least, once you start to dive into it. And the last of our definitions for now, number four, ties all of these things together. Number four, revelation of the method, which is the ruling elite revealing the machinations of these above methods to advertise their supremacy. So the blatant display of the process. They are showing us that they are manipulating us. Many of the predictive programming vehicles also serve this function. We'll get into some examples coming up. So those are the definitions to get us started and help us go through this material in a more informed way. And it's interesting to look at the way they all form this sort of octopus of interweaving tentacles. Let's quickly go over the way these ideas support each other. Pop culture smoke screens, as I said, this is my term, are big shows, the large productions, and full movies or books and popular periodical articles or news stories that present what amounts to a mockery of a serious cultural event in order to discredit the criticisms of it or to confuse the research into it. Then we have the Hegelian dialectic, and we see this unfolding constantly. 
it seems like the mainstream news has the market cornered on this one. We see a lengthy report on global warming, followed by the interview with an expert who casts concerned woes for the doomsday future. Then we get a hopeful segment on the new Tesla SUV. Problem, reaction, solution. Then we have the revelation of the method where the propagandists reveal their superiority by showing you their process within the very products they are using to feed you their narrative. And let's just take a step back to my Hegelian dialectic example of climate change problem, doomsday reaction, electric car solution. Let me be clear that this is just an example. I thought decades ago that we should have electric cars. I can envision a situation where every building and house roof is a solar panel and every car roof for that matter. I read an article once about a solar power plant that focuses sunlight from hundreds of large mirrors onto a giant salt pillar, like the sides of the Washington Monument, solid salt, and the mirrors focusing the sunlight on it make it incredibly hot. If I recall, this was in Italy. Then that heat boils water to turn steam turbines and generate totally clean electricity. I completely believe that we, as earthlings, can easily get away from fossil fuels. I think we already could have years ago. But to disengage the electric car from the process of creating electricity and imagine that this results in some kind of solution begs the question, from where does the electricity to charge the car come and what does it take to make the batteries that drive those electric cars? In the absence of a clean way to do those two things, do electric cars cause more environmental harm than good? This is a legitimate question. The reason I go through it is to make the point that the mainstream media never drills down into that level of detail to get to the serious matters confronting the questions of energy and pollution and whatever else. They simply create and cast a problem, climate change. They divide the positions surrounding that problem into believers and idiots. Then they offer a corporate consumerism solution, an electric car that cost $100,000. This is not a real solution. This is an elaborate car commercial. But let's move on. Like I said, this subject matter doesn't really go in any order. So one of the first things I want to do is get into this idea of predictive programming. We know what that is from our definitions, and you can think of it at this stage of our discussion as the little brother of the pop culture smokescreen's larger production. Now, we can talk about what these predictive programming instances are, but the best way to get a grasp on the concept is to corral a few and take them for what they are and make our own decisions about whether this is all a coincidence or something deeper. The world can be weird, and I hate to be the one to tell you, but if you've never looked at something like these, things might be about to get a little bit weirder. So we know images and symbols are some of the most powerful forms of communication because of their immediacy. You can dive into some of the visual images of the Renegade Files world by following us on Instagram, where our page is, at Renegade Files. Drop me a comment and say hi there. All right, cool. Now, I have a list of some predictive programming images here, and I had originally planned to give you the search terms so you could go through your favorite search engine and find these things for yourself. 
but in consideration of your time, I decided to just put links to these images in the show notes and save you the trouble. At the same time, I'll still give you the search term suggestions as we talk about them so you could find these images on your own in case the ones I link to in the show notes go down for any reason in the future. These images are examples of what could be called predictive programming. They concern the events that took place in the U.S. on September 11, 2001. This episode isn't making any claim about those events, and it doesn't matter what your stance is on the 9-11 tragedies. The fact is that these images all appeared in popular media before September 11, 2001, and that is a fact. So to understand what we mean when we say predictive programming, look at the images linked to in the show notes in order from top to bottom, listed as images 1 through 5. Image 1 is the cover of Jose Bora's 1983 book entitled Asi Sufre Latin America. And the author's last name is Bora, B-O-R-J-A. To find this image on your own, just search Jose Bora, Asi Sufre Latin America, 1983. Image number two, the original album cover art for the album Party Music by the rap group called, ironically, The Coup. To find this image on your own, search the original cover, Party Music, The Coup, and that's C-O-U-P. But remember, all these images are linked in the show notes, so that's image number two. Image number three is a 1994 article in Vice magazine called, What is Al-Qaeda? Specifically, the image is the two-page illustration of that article. Once again, image number three in the show notes, or to search it, try 1994, Vice Magazine, What is Al-Qaeda? And that's Q-A-E-D-A. Image number four comes from the 1980s card game called Illuminati, The Game of Conspiracy. And specifically, we're looking at the cards for Terrorist Nuke and Pentagon. If searching on your own, try Illuminati, Card Game, Conspiracy, Terrorist Nuke, Pentagon. Finally, Image 5 is from The Simpsons, where we see Bart buy a magazine with the stylized number 911 on the cover, with the twin towers forming the 11. You can see Image 5 in the show notes, just like all the other ones, and you can see it in an image search with the terms The Simpsons plus Bart plus 9, 11. So you can see all those images through the links in the show notes, and as of the publishing of this episode, they are all there. You can also find them with the search tips we just went over. As you look at those things, remember, all of those images were presented in popular culture products before the events of 9-11. And these are just a few of many examples of what could be called 9-11 predictive programming. When you look at them all together, it's shocking. One or two things like that would be a coincidence, but as the late great Dave McGowan said, how many coincidences does it take before you have a conspiracy? Coming up, we're going to do a future Renegade Files episode where I collaborate with a special co-host to dive deep into the predictive programming shenanigans of The Simpsons. It's our first co-hosted episode, so be sure to follow the show on your favorite listening app so that you can catch it. Now, like I said, it doesn't matter if you believe the official narrative of the 9-11 attacks or not. Those images appearing before that date are a little bit suspect. And those are just five that I found. There are a lot more if you really dig. 
Now let's move on into some examples of what I am calling pop culture smokescreens. One of the major subjects that seems to have gotten the pop culture smokescreen treatment is that of UFOs and aliens. What's interesting is that over the years, as the political and military positions on these subjects have evolved, so too have the overarching depictions of UFOs and aliens in popular culture evolved in parallel. In the early days of what we can call the modern American UFO experience, so the decade or two following the events at Roswell, New Mexico in 1947, and since you're listening to Renegade Files, I'm just going to guess that you know at least the general situation at Roswell. I'm sure you know the story. Just in case, the short version is that in 1947, a farmer in Corona, New Mexico, near Roswell, found a crashed object on his farm. He reported it to the nearby military base. They sent officers to investigate, who then released a press statement, resulting in a front-page article declaring that the military had captured a downed UFO. The military subsequently retracted the statement and declared that the crash was that of a weather balloon, and the ensuing allegations of a cover-up persist to this day. I'm also working on a deep-dive Renegade Files series about Roswell, so you can look for that. So the situation is that following Roswell, the American military established several high-profile projects designed specifically to debunk the notion of extraterrestrials visiting Earth. Ostensibly, they were to study the phenomenon, but internally, the objective was to discredit the phenomenon. Among these were the Robertson Panel, Project Sign, Project Grudge, and Project Blue Book. Coinciding with this effort to calm the masses around the subjects of UFOs, we have a long string of cheesy, campy, frankly terrible UFO, alien, and outer space robot movies. This is the era of such jewels as Devil Girl from Mars, Invasion of the Saucer Men, The Brain from Planet Aros, and if you haven't seen that one, it's a good one, and Plan 9 from Outer Space. And there are dozens more, maybe hundreds. All of them are preposterous and arguably so on purpose. These B-grade UFO and alien films were, in a large part, responsible for casting the ideas of extraterrestrials in a ridiculous framework of nonsense. They helped to define the UFO researcher as someone who would believe all of these hokey movies. These kinds of movies always cast the aliens as silly, condescending, or lost. This is where we get the term little green men. So at the same time that the government is busy churning out reports and projects with the stated goals of discrediting as many UFO sightings as possible, and convincing the public that there was no such thing as flying saucers or aliens, Hollywood cranks out a long list of totally unbelievable alien and UFO movies. These kind of films continued through all of those famous military and intelligence community projects, that is, until we elected our 39th president, Jimmy Carter, who not only saw a UFO while he was governor of Georgia, 
Butt, who filed a report about the event on 14 September 1973 with the International UFO Bureau in Oklahoma City. On the presidential campaign trail, Carter promised that, if he were elected, he would release all of the documents and information the American military had concerning UFOs and aliens. I know it may sound crazy now, but back then, this was a really big deal. At the time, just hearing such a prominent public figure acknowledge the existence of such documents was exciting, and people actually believed they would soon learn all about Roswell and every UFO event since then when Carter gained the Oval Office. Then, perfectly coinciding with Carter becoming president in 1977, we see the tide of UFO and alien depiction in popular culture shift from the campy floating brains and cardboard robots of the 50s and 60s into very realistic and overall benevolent beings of hope for the future. In Carter's first year as president, we have a watershed moment in alien science fiction with the premiere of Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Close Encounters of the Third Kind represented a drastic shift in Hollywood's portrayal of UFOs and aliens away from the lowbrow fantasy monsters to highly advanced and peaceful beings. Famous military UFO consultant and our old friend Dr. J. Allen Hynek was a consultant for that film, and as Renegade Files agents know, his classification scale was also the source for the film's title. So as I mentioned, Carter had vowed to release all of the information the government had on UFOs and aliens. He never delivered on that promise, and the reasons why range from there's nothing there to the military and intelligence apparatus essentially telling him no. When Carter was asked about this inability to deliver on his UFO disclosure promise, he said the reasons involved, quote, defense implications. But it's interesting that at the same time that the highest ranking government official in the land, the president, is a UFO believer that the movies in Hollywood shifted from cheesy B-grade junk films casting UFOs and aliens as comical fantasy into the incredibly realistic Close Encounters of the Third Kind and other peaceful alien films that followed. District 9, The Abyss, E.T., and more. The positive messages of the original Star Trek series also continued throughout the 70s and indeed until today through syndication and reruns. Then we have Star Wars in the 1970s and while yes, there are villains, there are also rebels and the good guys win in the end. But then in the 80s and 90s, UFO sightings began to ramp up in a different way. People started seeing huge triangular crafts that no one could explain or deny, and the military went into overdrive explaining them away with their bag of tricks that include all the old hits like balloons, gases, clouds, mass hallucination, and planes. At the same time, we now know, due to some recent Freedom of Information documents and videos, that the military was also seeing things they could not explain, and coinciding with this, 
we see another drastic shift in the overall portrayal of UFOs and aliens in the media. This moves us away from the QETs and close encounters angel aliens into aliens as the new enemy. In 1980, Pulp King Roger Corman gave us the Star Wars ripoff Battle Beyond the Stars, which was one of the first new films to cast aliens as dastardly villains. James Cameron was a visual effects supervisor on that film. Cameron went on to make the sequel to Alien, which was the brilliantly titled Aliens, and that franchise depicts the militarization of space to fight, again, bad guy aliens. Other Aliens as Enemies films and TV shows include The Last Starfighter, Independence Day, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Life Force, the ridiculous Mars attacks, dark skies, and there are hundreds. So it seems like every time the powers that be shift their perspective on UFOs and aliens, the pop culture steps up to reinforce that narrative or to present fictionalized examples that make the real stories harder to prove or at least harder to argue. And that's all we'll go into as far as the UFO and alien pop culture smokescreens go. Let's get into some more obvious and direct examples of the phenomenon. In Renegade Files episode 11, The Mysteries of Skinwalker Ranch, I talked a bit about the History Channel's reality TV show Skinwalker Ranch and how its very existence had flooded the search result pages for anyone trying to do actual research about that ranch and the strange happenings reported there. Renegade Files episode number 11, The Mysteries of Skinwalker Ranch, is one of our most downloaded episodes ever, so be sure to check it out if you haven't and share it with your friends if you have and liked it. Thank you. So the TV show, Skinwalker Ranch, is exactly a pop culture smokescreen in this instance. It presents a fiction, or at least fictionalized, presentation of the material, and this muddies the waters of the true paranormal activities taking place in that area. So even when just having a conversation with someone on the subject, it becomes almost impossible to separate their ideas of it from the TV show if they are a fan of the TV show. The TV show Roswell does the same thing. The 1978 British film Capricorn One tells the story of a reporter who discovers that a manned mission to Mars has been faked by the military and the crew of the supposed mission. This entire movie could be the plot of a fake mission to the moon perpetrated numerous times by NASA if we only substitute Mars for the moon. As such, it is a pure pop culture smokescreen to discredit anyone who criticizes the math and logistics of the NASA manned moon missions. In fact, the release of Capricorn One prompted Bill Casing, the author of We Never Went to the Moon, to sue the producers of Capricorn One for plagiarism. His allegation being that the Capricorn One movie about a faked Mars landing had stolen the story from his non-fiction book about the Apollo program fallacies. Just as a side note, established and respected writer Norman Mailer, 
who is one of the best-selling writers of all time, wrote in the November 1969 issue of Life magazine that the moon landings were conceivably, quote, staged in a television studio, the greatest con of the century, unquote. And that was Norman Mailer in Life magazine. Then we have the 2015 film Moonwalkers, which stars Rupert Grant and tells the story of a CIA agent sent to hire Stanley Kubrick to film a faked moon landing mission. Total pop culture smokescreen. This movie tries to tie together several well-known conspiracy theories and the result is a 5 out of 10 rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Ouch. But you can start to see the clear motives of movies like these that latch onto a conspiracy theory, then paint it as a joke. Brett Carollo from the PSYOP Cinema Podcast describes this as, quote, a deliberate scrambling of these explosive truths and these preposterous falsehoods put into the mouth of an unreliable narrator. PSYOP Cinema is a next-level, super-deep, intelligent podcast that analyzes popular movies through the lens of the entirety of Hollywood as a PSYOP. There is a link to their excellent show in the show notes. Check them out. This brings us to a movie that the PSYOP Cinema podcast explored in an interview they did on William Ramsey Investigates, which is the 1997 Mel Gibson movie called Conspiracy Theory. This movie is a complete pop culture smokescreen. Arguably, one agenda of this film is to associate the conspiracy theorist label with this damaged, dangerous, outsider loner type. This has echoes of the Travis Bickle character from Taxi Driver, where once again we have a film designed to characterize the lone nut assassin. So, another pop culture smokescreen. In fact, the Mel Gibson character in the film Conspiracy Theorist is also a taxi driver, and you see how they start to interweave and overlap these things, right? So this is a deliberate process of aligning the conspiracy theorist personality with the Travis Bickle personality. And this was in 1997. Deeper into this movie, we can see that overall, it presents this very unusual combination of dark subject matter, but lighthearted reactions to it. This contrast was highlighted by many of the critics who gave negative reviews when the film first came out. We have Mel Gibson's Jerry, the character in the movie, stalking Julia Roberts' Alice. And there we have a reference to Alice in Wonderland. But when she finds out he's stalking her, she's kind of okay with it. And we have Gibson finding out over and over that he was an MK Ultra victim. He gets captured and tortured and escapes a few times. But in the end, he just rides off with yet another handler and goes to work for a new clandestine agency. And everything is great. And Gibson plays this dark, literally tortured, crazy character with his trademark goofy, buddy cop, screwball, almost slapstick attitude. And so these are the themes of acceptance. So for the audience, accept that this is a circus. Be content to be hypnotized by the close-ups of Julia Roberts and Mel Gibson, these handsome Hollywood faces. Be okay with being watched. 
be okay with being stalked and spied upon. Trade one controller for another controller. Because they are all the same controller. One final note on this film is the line in this movie where the lead mentions Oliver Stone in reference to his film JFK when he says that Oliver Stone must be a disinformation agent because he would not be alive if he wasn't. In other words, if Oliver Stone's JFK was actually revealing the truth, Stone wouldn't be allowed that level of mass distribution and influence. That's exact pop culture smokescreen. The implication is clear because here we have this movie, Conspiracy Theory, telling us directly that the film JFK by Oliver Stone is disinformation. So there's nothing to see there. Discount it. But this official position is delivered by the lone conspiracy nut in the film. This gets into that territory of the circular, tail-chasing scenarios that actual disinformation agents always propagate. In this way, this movie is both pop culture smokescreen designed to discredit conspiracy theorists, and it's also revelation of method where they are showing you this is how we control people. This is how we create mind-controlled operatives. This is how we drive agendas. It's very clever. Another twisted entry into the pop culture smokescreen category is the movie Inception by Christopher Nolan. In the climax of Inception, the audience is being told to believe the lie, even as they are being told it's a lie. The character Cobb realizes that he can never get out of this endless loop of guilt and dream world traps, so he surrenders to it. This is analogous to the modern person surrendering to the surveillance state and the fear feedback loop of the news. The modern person gives up and says, Yes, the world the news portrays is the real world, despite all evidence to the contrary. The movie The Prestige is really about movies and their illusion, manipulation, power, and magic. And The Prestige is the champion of revelation of method wrapped in a pop culture smokescreen package. Another pop culture smokescreen is a 2009 movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats, which makes a farcical mockery of John Ronson's 2004 nonfiction book about the US military and intelligence community remote viewing and MK Ultra projects. For the real story behind that pop culture smokescreen, read the original book, The Men Who Stare at Goats, or watch the British TV documentary, Crazy Rulers of the World from 2004, which was based on the book. One way this all twists around on itself is that recent FOIA release documents reveal that both the US military and the intelligence industry in their many forms have had hands in manipulating hundreds upon hundreds of Hollywood movies, even to the point of altering scripts, titles, and major plot points. A thorough analysis of this can be found in the book National Security Cinema by Matthew Alford and Thomas Ecker. This feeds back into the core premise for the PSYOP Cinema podcast, which is that movies are used as cultural engineering tools for things like manipulation of values, manufacturing of opinion and consent, 
and desensitizing or normalization of all manner of behavior, reactions, and solutions. We can see this if we take the superhero movie genre as a whole and look at the overall messages that those movies convey. Rather than go through the many individual examples, we can make the observation that, on a broad scale, these superhero fantasy films, Batman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, The Hulk, Iron Man, all of them, without fail, make the explicit case that trauma is the gateway to a higher, more valuable existence in service to the masses or the greater good. This is total MK Ultra programming. And I'm not saying that these movies are specific direct brainwashing. I'm saying that they are a broader, more far-reaching, lower-level pop culture smokescreen to muddy the waters about the reality of the fact that that's what they do and that's how they do it. Another subtle example is the movie The Purge and its sequels, and I hesitate to even mention it here because they're so terrible, despite the fact that these movies are, and this is just my opinion, abysmal, low-frequency negativity and who needs it, but they are also pure propaganda for a gun control narrative. The implication of the Purge movies is that this is the way people would behave if, for one night, there were no laws against murder. Remove the laws for one moment, and everyone gleefully goes around killing each other. So the conclusion which these films imply is this. It's only the laws that keep gun violence in check. This is simply not the case. In this way, The Purge movies are pure gun control legislation propaganda. We can also gather evidence for movies as cultural engineering if we look at the wider evolution of the media and its delivery mechanisms. We are watching this devolve in real time from what was perhaps one of the last redeeming aspects of movies themselves, which was the socializing component of going to a movie theater together as a community. This delivery of movies is devolving into the separatist function of everyone staying at home and consuming through endless streaming services. Gone is that instant personal critique among you and your friends that used to happen upon exiting the finished movie. Any discussion, if one happens at all, takes place online through the filters and expectations of social media. Across Hollywood in general, we also see persistent themes of transhumanism, cultural nihilism, apocalyptic futures, constant war, random violence, despair, serial killer as mythology, and all of this delivered through the mild disassociative state of watching a movie. This is a way to systematically break down societal pillars such as healthy psychology, family, unity, personal freedom, confidence, and our direct connection to the energy that creates the universe. Think of the proliferation of violent crime drama fiction on TV. This is then reinforced by the selective programming of violent stories on the news. Then. 
Every commercial sells you an escape from this violence. A new car to drive away from it into the empty mountain roads. A vacation on a big ship to sail away from it. Insurance to repay you for the loss of it. Another movie to distract you from it. But there is freedom and power in choice. Movies are some of the finest art and the best entertainment. I love movies. Not all of them, of course, are great, but the medium is one of the best. We can have our favorite films and TV shows and books. We just have to remember to take time to look away from them. To see the world around us without those filters. And to recognize those times when pop culture smokescreens are trying to distract us from the truth. That's all I have for today. Thank you for taking that ride with me. So in this episode, you learned all about pop culture smokescreens. You went down that rabbit hole with me and came out here on the other side. This is your chance to join me and the other agents on Patreon, so click the link in the show notes now. There, you can get all of the research for this and every episode, plus bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes posts, and the chance to go even deeper into the Renegade Files scene. Join us at patreon.com slash renegadefiles, become an RFA agent, and help the show stay free and ad-free. If you've never done anything on Patreon, don't be shy. Check our page out through the link to see a few free posts there so you can get a feel for what it's like. It's a super cool, secure platform where we can interact and I can give you even more content. Think of it as the Renegade Files conspiracy punk content that's too cool for prime time. Follow the link, it's free to look, and even from the public sector, you can see my personal Patreon goals and learn the things I'll do for us once I hit those modest milestones. Your support makes a huge difference, so thank you and I'll see you in there. Until our next adventure, I'm your host, Lex Gordon. Stay wild, apocalypse child.